Hey, witches. Welcome to The Lion, The Witch, and The Podcast. We are two mystic Leos discussing spirituality and human condition in the post-pandemic world. So hop in, witches. We're going hexing. Hello. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Hey, witches. Hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We're We're together. together. (laughs) We are together in person in California. And you can tell we're not because we're not distorted. Because we're not distorted, <laughs> because we're not using Zoom. Like we are literally looking at each other right now hi. into each other's eyeballs. Hi. <laughs> and hi. <laughs> literally. So everyone, um, Sean and her partner are here in LA visiting. We're doing a lot of witchy shit because mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of witchy shit. Mm-hmm. And like how could we not have a podcast episode together? Hello, hi. Like this is yeah, like this is what we want. This is our dream. Yeah. So exciting. Exactly. So like we're here and we're here. It's so crazy. Like it's just it's so crazy because it's been almost two years since we've seen each other in person, but it doesn't feel like two years. No. And like look what we've done not in person. I know. Isn't that weird? It's so weird, but it's awesome. So weird, so witchy, so wonderful. I love that. The three W's. The three W's. The three W's. Mm -hmm. Wombo. I wombo. (laughs) You wombo. Me, she, he. Wombo. (laughs) Wombology? Come Come on, on, SpongeBob. (laughs) See, this is what happens. (laughs) This is what happens when we're in person, everyone. This is what happens. Like, oh my God. Well, to start it off, Sean. How would you has your week been? It's been super rad because I get to see my best day. And so far, we've walked around a little bit around um, Courtney's neighborhood in LA. Yes. We've gone to a beautiful plant shop that we'll talk about. Yes. We grabbed some coffee. Everybody's like being super safe here, masked up, social mm-hmm. distancing, very responsible. And it's sunny. Mm-hmm. And there's palm trees everywhere mm-hmm. and monsteras. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just have my face in a lot of foliage today. You have, yes. Yeah. And I knew that was going to happen too. <laughs> like I knew that as soon as like you walked into my apartment, you'd be like, okay. Oh, I've already touched all of your plants. Obviously. <laughs> and I'm very happy that you think I've been doing a good job with them. Yes, you so. have. They look great. They're I'm happy. Trying. They're perky. I'm trying. Should we talk about what we're going to do this week? We're going to fucking Disneyland. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're also we're also going, which I'm really excited about, to the Tim Burton restaurant. Yes, tonight. it is called Beetle House, mm-hmm. which is so fucking dope. There's one in New York that I've been to once, and obviously we had to go here when you're here because yes. obviously we because have, obviously because obviously and our makeup palettes. Oh, mm. like just you wait. We got we got some. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be exciting. All I have to say is Corpse Bride. That's it. And Night Before Christmas. Yep. There you go. There you go. So that's, just use your imagination. There you go. How yeah. witchy has your week been? Fuck. How witchy has my week been? You know what? Actually, super cool. Um, did we talk about this already? About um, finding um, other our other um, deities. Have we talked about this on the we last episode? We have not Did we talked talk about, about it? who we're introducing into our lives. Exactly. So super cool being introduced into our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you've heard of her from last week's episode. And the warm-hearted witch we, that we absolutely fucking love, Samantha. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. She knows her shit. Team obviously. Samantha. Team Samantha always. And... 
Sean and I both have really just felt another presence in our lives of we don't know who, we don't know what, like we we weren't sure, but there's something, someone else that really like wants to work with us. Mm-hmm. And Sean, you, you've worked with multiple deities before, mm-hmm. which is like obviously super dope. And like Celine has only been mine and I mm-hmm. really like didn't know like what to expect or like am I cheating on Celine? Like I don't know. I honestly right. felt like that because no, like. that's totally valid. Yeah, Gotta like, start somewhere. Yeah, but I just kept feeling like I had this like. I don't know. Just there's somebody else that wants to come into my life. So the warm hearted witch, she has an amazing spread that basically like kind of helps you figure out like who's talking to me. Yeah. So I did it and I look back and I did my research and I was like, whoa, is Persephone trying to talk to me? Mm-hmm. Which is like super interesting because I've like realized a lot of her symbolism have really like resonated with me mm-hmm. in the past how many years. And like it's cool to I don't know, somebody else wanting to work with you. And yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not giving the full like a hundred percent just yet because one, I'm not sure. Right. And two, like I, I, it makes me nervous working with somebody else sure. because you it's know, a new relationship. absolutely. And she's badass. Not that Celine oh, isn't yeah. badass, but like Persephone has like a lot of dark qualities to her yeah. that I've like never worked with. So I'm excited to hopefully start this journey with her and really see like, hmm. Let's see what happens. What can she teach you? Exactly. Yeah, embrace your darkness. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to like shout out again, Samantha, the warm-hearted witch, because she helped me figure out the two exactly, dude that are coming in. I thought for a while I was seeing a lot of um, buck symbolism, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, pentacles, a lot of grounding and earth energy. And yeah. I was like, okay, an earth deity. Like it's got to be mm-hmm. someone like bound to the earth or something. I thought for a while it was the horn god from Celtic mythology, mm-hmm. Surinunos. And Say that one more time. Surinunos. Very nice. I apologize if that's not the actual Celtic pronunciation or how anybody else pronounces it, but that's how I've heard it pronounced. Mm-hmm. So until I'm corrected. We're going to fucking do it. I'm going to continue to pronounce mm-hmm. it that way. So um, I felt that it, it was that God reaching out to me just because a lot of what I was seeing, a lot of what I was asking for in readings, right. a lot of the energy that I was feeling and right. starting to recognize. And... I talked to Samantha about it and I did her reading as well. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm a little bit unsure because I see the symbolism, but I also see it could maybe be leaning towards somebody else, but I'm not sure who that person is. Right. And she actually did a, she not only did a tarot reading for me, but she also did a pendulum reading, which she talks about in our episode. Mm -hmm. So if you have not listened to that, jump back and listen to that and come back when you listen to that Mm -hmm. because it's, it's so good and it's so unique and I love it. And she did this for me and I was so endlessly appreciative because like she really put a lot of focus and time and energy into this. There's yeah. a lot of energy work. Yeah. And it turned out um, Osiris was being very persistent in the reading and had a lot like that he wanted to work with me on, a lot of messages he wanted to help me with. And stuff was coming up in her reading, also coming up in my reading that I recognized as something I've been reaching out for help with. Mm-hmm. So he was the one that came through in the reading. And then Sarah Nonos was also like, yeah. And if she has space, like I'm here if, like, as just well. Leave, hey, just yeah. here. I'm here. Yeah. And I was like, the more the merrier, like, come on in. I've never worked with male deities before. I'm very interested to see if there's like some kind of differences or changes. There's always differences and changes with every deity you work with. Yeah. But I immediately, the next day I created an altar space. For yeah, them. you did. And I could tell like the energy was just so all encompassing and warming. Mm-hmm. So I am 
thrilled. And thank you again. A big thank you. A third or fourth, fifth thank you to Samantha. 20th, seriously. 20th to the warm-hearted witch. An amazing human being. She's just, yeah, she's an amazing human being. And what also I think is really interesting, because you've been saying this for so long, that you think a male deity wants to, like, come into your life. Yes. And we thought that it was Hades for the longest time. We thought that it was Hades, yeah. And maybe, like, down the line. Uh Who knows? Because Persephone, that's why, because when I first, like, found thought of like oh Persephone and then we were talking about like oh maybe it is Hades like oh that makes sense obviously with us Mm -hmm. so you never know what can happen yeah who knows what the life path will bring so anyway anyway what are we talking about today we have a really cool subject and our subject is right here at home literally in my in my room in your literal apartment space literally we're talking about mystical california mystical california because there's so much shit that has happened in california this (laughs) town is one of the most haunted towns in the united states and maybe the world yeah it is so spooky it's so witchy it has such a vibe yep and we're gonna talk all about that and we have so many resources that we honestly aren't, we're not going to say it out loud because there's literally so fucking many. There's like so over 20. There's over 20. <laughs> so you will see it in, in the, the bio of the episode. Episode details, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So um, let's fucking get into it. Into get into it. The legends, lore, and the craft of California. Yes. Yes. What's the witch scene like in California? Well, here are some local mystics and traditions. Central Valley Wicca. Central Valley Wicca traces its origins back to adherents of the old religion who settled in the Central Valley of Northern California by the early 1960s. The identity of the person who brought Wicca to the Central Valley of California remains a mystery. But what is known is that she had ties to England and had most likely lived there. Central Valley Wicca shares the basic beliefs and has similar structure and practice to the Gardenarian. Thank you. And Alaxtrian. Perfect. Better than what I can say. Maybe. Forms of Wicca as they are practiced in the UK. Today, the various branches that descend from the Central Valley Wicca have developed into traditions in their own right that include Silver Crescent, Kingston, Dione Serene. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Assembly of Wicca and Majestic. See, this is why you're here, Sean. Because <laughs> the words that I literally can't pronounce is what you're here for. So. And I just want to also note, like, we've mentioned a couple times on this podcast that uh, Courtney and I are both not practicing Wiccans. We uh, identify as witches. So if you are a Wiccan and we did any kind of pronunciation incorrectly or you want to even give us more information on it, please feel free. Yes. Um, I also want to note that um, we do you know, understand that Wicca is not an ancient religion. So mm-hmm. we, when we say old religion, we really mean religion coming from the old country. Mm-hmm. Um, our resources explain further. So Perfect. take a look. And another uh, form of Wicca that I had found uh, centralizing in California is called Dianic Wicca. So, Susanna Budapest dedicated much of her life to creating and disseminating Dianic Wicca, a feminist goddess-centraled spirituality she originated in Los Angeles in the 1970s. Mm. She founded the all-women Susan B. Anthony Coven Number 1 and was arrested for reading tarot cards in Venice when divination was still illegal across most of California. (laughs) Really interesting. Wow. So, quote, fortune-telling was illegal in California until 1985 when a Romani practitioner challenged a charge filed against her to keep her from practicing. She won. Mm. 
so badass. So Susanna Budapest publicly hexed murderers, rapists, and she wrote 13 books on ritual and witchcraft and founded the long-running International Goddess Festival, a biennial gathering of women in the California Redwoods that continues to this day. Mm. She also fought for women's access to abortions when it was still illegal and helped women find safe abortion options. I love that. A badass. A badass. Lady Moonco. Oh, one of our favorites. Yes. First, I'm literally wearing a shirt right now from Lady yep. Moonco. Yes. Lady Moonco was founded by Laura Wong in 2017, inspired by her lifelong practice of eclectic witchcraft. Frustrated with the lack of diversity and occult apparel at the time, Laura decided to design what she wanted to see available. Lady Moonco is a proud witch, pagan-owned, and operated business, offering designs intended to make the modern witch feel seen and represented in a world that may not always be kind, which is so fucking true. We, we love Lady Moonco. I mean... So authentic. Yes. So genuine. Um, Such a badass. Yeah. Her and her assistant both feather. Just incredible human beings and they actually have um, Feather's little daughter working with them, I Winnie. Oh, so cute. Absolutely adorable. She's a little witch in the making. And yeah, we love Laura. She's a total inspiration. She actually has her own podcast called Lady Mooncast. Check mm-hmm. that out. Yep. But yeah, Lady Moon Co. is absolutely a witch brand I will go back to again and again. And she's right here in California. Yes, she is. Yeah. Another really, really cool California modern witch is Amanda Yates Garcia, also known as the Oracle of Los Angeles. Big name. Yup. The Oracle of LA helps witches access the magic that already moves through them, awakening their capacity to thrive. Amanda is a hereditary witch in the West Coast tradition of reclaiming. Amanda is also the author of the book Initiated, Memoir of a Witch. The Oracle of LA has been re-enchanting the world with divination, trance healing work, public art witchery, and private ceremonies since 2010. Amanda is also trained in breathwork, energy healing, and shamanic practices. Mm, I love it. She's super cool. Um, she has been on a... Uh, I think she was on the Tucker Carlson show, and mm-hmm. she called him the fuck out. And it was... Of course. He, like, brought her on um, what seemed, like, kind of, like, spoofy. Right. Um, and he tried to, like, really talk down to her and to diminish witchcraft. And I remember, like, the... Um, the line that she delivered it was something like um the real question tucker is uh why is you know why are trump's um why is trump blocking access to this why are why are uh the trump republicans doing this or doing that why can't people like why don't people have equal access to this blah 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 and she like put it right back on track (laughs) and i fuck because it's a political show and i fucking loved it and then he tried to once again diminish it and she was like no 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 Mm -hmm, bitch it's not happening so she's a badass i will always love her we love that we love that next part of the google doc legends lore and true crime i mean finally diving into true crime i know finally because there's i mean there's so much in california even in la and this is not an all-encompassing list there are things we're not gonna be able to mention right because we would have made like a 20 page Uh google doc and nobody wants that (laughs) literally nobody wants that so we don't want that so 
The Hollywood Sign Spirit. The sign is said to be haunted by early 1900s actress Peg Entwistle. Could be saying that last name wrong. Whatever. I think that's how you say it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. When Entwistle's career was going downhill, she was said to have climbed to the top of the sign's H and jumped off of it. Entwistle is now known as the Lady in White and will appear to hikers that are at the off-limit parts of the sign where she jumped. You will see a woman with a skeletal face and deep, hollow-out eyes. If the hikers are alone, the lady in white will try to influence them to share her own cruel fate. Trigger warning here. A lot of Hollywood signed suicides have happened since then, and in 2012, a man's decapitated head and body parts were found where Entwistle died. Wow. I mean, but that, yeah, I'm not surprised, and so many... Um, oh god so many movies so many tv shows so many things are like they base a lot of episodes off of this yeah yeah and I feel like um almost every area of at least the United States any I'm sure many other um countries have a lady in white lore yes absolutely totally interesting so next one is Las Brujas of Seville, California. Ah, I love how you said that. Thank you. I hope it did it justice. I think it did. (laughs) So this is a story from um, a writer, uh, Ruth E. Padilla, in uh, September 2004. So, quote, Long ago during the late 1950s, my family lived in a small town called Seville, located some 40 miles west of Sequoia, National Park in California. The town had been booming, with a railroad running through it, but had long since burned down, leaving only small shacks for homes. We were a hard-working migrant family and settled in Seville to pick cotton and grapes. Soon after we arrived, we were told by several local families that, in addition to the few migrant families living in the shack homes, Seville also called home to several local witches. Please excuse the puff. <laughs> According to our neighbors, these Las Brujas would appear on the first full moon of the month to fight with each other to see who had the most power. On the night of the first full moon, we could hear our neighbors, the Venicos, outside talking about the witches. Soon, we gathered up and joined them, fully anticipating to see some ugly women fighting. We waited and watched late into the night without seeing anything when suddenly two balls of fire appeared high up in the air. Standing between my mother's legs, I watched in awe as the two burning flames bounced back and forth across the sky, often colliding with each other. We were told by neighbors that the blazing orbs would continue to do battle until one of the witches would exhaust its power and fall from the sky. I became frightened and prayed the witches would keep their distance. Finally, when my fear overwhelmed me, I begged my mother to take me inside, not staying to watch the dying ember fall from the night above. I have never since experienced this incident again, but I have been told that practice continues to exist in places where witches make their home. Wow. That was a good way. That was a um, good way. Yes, yes. The Dark Watchers. The Dark Watchers tale originates in the Lucia Mountains. The Dark Watchers are said to be giant humanoid phantoms that lurk within the Erie Mountains. The indigenous Chumash people draw these phantoms on cave walls in southern and coastal California. In 1960, these creatures were sighted by a high school principal, and recently the legend has evolved into the phantom, a human-shaped ghost wearing dark capes and hats. I I know, right? That also doesn't sound like the best thing to, to look, see <laughs> like to see but like spooky spooky speaking of spooky the humble five yeah 
Humboldt County, California contains little quaint country towns dotting lush green valleys fed with rain and sunshine that nourish precious multi-million dollar crops. <coughs> Weed. But the area is also known for a string of disappearances near the area called Murder Mountain. Da, da, da. <laughs> but no case has been as baffling and disturbing as that of the so-called Humboldt Missing Five. Five young women who have all mysteriously vanished in Humboldt County over the past two decades, leaving police without a clue to what happened to them. That is, until the fifth woman, 23-year-old Danielle Bertolini, went missing. It wasn't until early 2014, when Danielle Bertolini vanished, that police would get what could be their first break in the 20-year-old case of the Humboldt Missing Five. Danielle had been given a ride in Fortuna by a man named Jim Jones, who told police he had dropped her off near her house. Police quickly linked Jim Jones to the disappearance of another woman, 37-year-old Sheila Franks, just a week earlier. Sheila's sister, Melissa, says Jones also knew Karen Mitchell, the 16-year-old who became the second of the young women to go missing. Jesus. Karen had been last seen getting into a car in downtown Eureka. But her mother still had no idea if the driver might have been someone she knew. Melissa says that she and Sheila also both knew Jones, who is now a 43-year-old sawmill worker, when they were growing up in Humboldt County. Police had no evidence to prove any harm had even come to any of the Humboldt missing five until 2015, when a skull was found in a local riverbed. (laughs) It was determined to be that of Danielle Bertolini, who is now presumed to have been murdered and most likely mutilated. No arrests have been made, and Jones remains a person of interest to this day. Well, that happens a lot. Seems to. Speaking of that. Speaking of that. So the infamous Zodiac Killer, one of the most notorious murders in U.S. history, and it all happened in Northern California. Of course. Right? In the late 1960s, two dead teenagers were found, and later a threatening letter with a coded message was sent to the police. Five more murders followed, and more ciphers kept coming that couldn't be cracked. Many people have been accused of being the Zodiac Killer, and only recently a suspect has been identified by the name of Gary Francis Post. Although, it's probably Ted Cruz since he ate a booger on my television. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember fucking writing that. I had to throw it in there. I hate him so much. <laughs> anyway, does anybody remember that when Ted Cruz ate a booger on live television? <laughs> I will never forget that. Oh, God, wow, Sean. Ooh, that was good. good. Right. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, another serial killer. I'm a famous serial killer. The co-ed killer. Serial killer Ed Kemper killed six women in Santa Cruz, California area and several members of his family. At age 15, he killed both his grandparents, quote, to see what it felt like. Upon his release, he drifted, picking up and releasing female hitchhikers, but he soon stopped letting them go, killing six young women in the Santa Cruz, California area in the 1970s, earning his name the co-ed killer from abducting college students from campus. In 1973, he killed his mother and her friend before turning himself in. Oh, God. He actually also had, like, an extremely high IQ. I'm not surprised. He later, like, consulted um, with the, like, kind of first serial killer department of Mm -hmm. the FBI. Mm -hmm. There's a show, uh, Mindhunter, that that goes into. It's such a good show. Yeah, It's so fucking good. Dude is, like... um, um, seven foot tall yep. as well mm-hmm. and he actually had like applied to become either like um, 
a Northern California policeman or highway patrolman. I'm not really 100% sure. Mm-hmm. But he had applied to the force, and they, they, they called him Big Ed. And apparently, they rejected him based on his, like, weight, that he was just, like... Too, too big of a dude. Too big of a dude. And um, so when he had originally... He had to, like, convince the police that he killed these women because wow. he was so buddy-buddy with the police. Right. He had to literally be like, let me show you. Let me take you to the other bodies. And they were like, Big Ed? No, Big Ed's not a killer. Wow. And this guy's a, like a... He's still alive. Right. Total psycho. That's interesting. Super interesting. Well, we love that, don't we? <laughs> We love that. We love to read about it. We love to read about it. Don't love these psychos. (laughs) No, no. The Black Dahlia Murder. On January 15, 1947, actress Elizabeth Short was found sliced in half at the waist, posed as if she was a mannequin. Short was dubbed Black Dahlia by the press in the media storm of a case for her penchant for black clothing. This murder remains unsolved. Yeah. You know what? I read somewhere, and maybe this is completely false by now, or maybe hmm. it was just Zach Bagans influencing Oh, me. of course. Because um, he does that. Um, I believe they were heavily investigating her dentist, who like lived in like this huge-ass house, was wow. found with all of these torturous like devices. Dental devices, you know? But um, I can't remember the details on the case, but like I believe they were looking at her dentist at one point. Interesting. Yeah. Damn. Weird. Weird. More interesting and weird. California witch killers. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, Michael Bear Carson and Susan Bear Carson are a serial killing couple known for a group of crimes that dubbed them the California witch killers. When divorcee James Clifford Carson and Susan Barnes met, things got pretty weird pretty fast. The two quickly got into a life of sex and drugs. Under the influence of hallucinogenics, Susan had visions, which kept getting wilder as the two also tried to create their own religion. Eventually, it culminated into one deadly vision from Susan that she and Michael should become, quote, Muslims and kill witches. And I just want to state here an idea that completely opposes the Islamic tenets in all forms. Islam does not ask you to Mm -mm. kill witches. Mm After living in Europe until the money ran out, Susan and Michael moved to San Francisco, where they lived with 23-year-old aspiring actress Karen Barnes. When Karen rejected a polyamorous arrangement with Michael and Susan, Susan just happened to have a vision that Karen was a witch. Under Susan's orders, Michael beat Karen with a frying pan and stabbed her 13 times. Oh, 13, huh? He ran into my knife. He ran into my knife 10 times. Oh, good work, Chicago. (laughs) They then covered her body, drew on the walls, and left the apartment. Susan left her name on the wall, which led to the friends of Karen tipping off police about her new roommates and their odd beliefs. But the Carsons literally just vanished. They moved around, and Susan continued to accuse people she would have altercations with of witchcraft, which would subsequently lead to Michael killing them. The pair were arrested when one of their killings was witnessed in 1983, and a press conference was held to capture a confession from them. After six hours of their mindless ranting, the two were convicted. They're currently serving a 75-year sentence. Wow. I have never heard of that one. Me neither until now. Interesting. Yeah. Well, here's one that everybody has heard of. (laughs) 
The Manson family. As the leader of a messianic cult situated in a desert commune in California, Charles Manson prophesied that a race war was on the horizon and he and his followers would have to be armed and ready. In fact, he believed it was his duty to usher in the war by ordering his family members, in quotes, to go on a killing spree. On August 8th through 9th in 1969, the Manson family, on orders from their leader, murdered pregnant actress Sharon Tate, who was married to director Roman Polanski at the time, and four others at a house on Silo Drive in the Hollywood Hills. And a day later, wealthy grocery store owners Leno and Rosemary LaBianca. Although the majority of the Manson family members who took part in the massacres were condemned to death after being tried and convicted, the state of California reversed its decision on the death penalty in 1972, commuting their sentences to life imprisonment. Manson and his followers would ultimately claim that they had killed a total of 35 people and buried their bodies in the desert. Psycho. Psycho indeed. Kind of reminds me of, um. well, it's true, uh, American Horror Story season seven, Colt, obviously, like, was based a lot Oh, was around- it? Because... That's when I gave up on American Horror Story. Honestly, season seven's actually good. Yeah? I thought it was really good. Maybe I'll give it a try. I think that was good if you are terrified of clowns. Yeah, that'll that'll make it worse. But, like, it's well, fine. Well, Bill Skarsgård has helped me move on from my... Oh, thank God. <laughs> clown terror. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> All right, last one. Last one with a lot of local lore is the Chateau Mermont Hotel. Say that one more time. Chateau Mermont. Thank you. So Sunset Boulevard hosts one of the most haunted hotels in L.A., the Chateau Mimel, mm. constructed in 1929. So one of the more famous ones is in March of 1982, Blues Brothers and Animal House star John Belushi arrived for a stay at Bungalow Number no. 3. On Friday, March 5th, Belushi's fitness trainer and part-time bodyguard Bill Wallace arrived at the bungalow to deliver a typewriter and a tape recorder to the actor. Instead, he found Belushi dead at the scene. After struggling with substance abuse for years, Belushi had succumbed to his addiction and overdosed on a cocktail of cocaine, heroin, and a third drug known as a speedball. He was just 33 years old. Hollywood reeled over the tragic loss of the young actor, and fans all over the world mourned his loss. But some claim Belushi never left the building. In fact, comedian-turned-politician Al Franken claims to have experienced an encounter with his late friend at the Marmont. According to Franken, a skeptic himself, he arrived at the chateau a week after Belushi's passing and stayed in the very same bungalow. He awoke at night from a fitful sleep to see the ghostly figure of John Belushi standing over him. John, he called out, blinking. But by the time he got his glasses on, John had disappeared. Wow. John Belushi's only one of the famous ghosts that haunt the Chateau Mimel. I'm not surprised. So... So we gotta go. We gotta go. Okay. So next section, some local witchy wonderful hangs haunts in California. Yes. So one of the things we found was the Green Man Metaphysical Shop. This is the one I want to go to. Okay. Well, I want to go to the mall, but... But this one's super close to me. (laughs) Yeah. Super close. So it's located in North Hollywood. The Green Man is a purveyor of over 500 unique roots, oils, herbs, and curios. They hand carve, dress, and bless their own candles, offer a wide selection of crystals and ritual items, and also offer knowledge services spanning many paths. Sounds like the perfect meta shop to me. Which is like... That's just so nice. It just seems like such a... And before, like, going more into, like, the shops that, like, 
I have personally have found since like living here and obviously like all the other ones that we want to talk about. It's like very interesting to really see the difference between West Coast and East Coast. Yeah, I'm excited to experience and, Yeah, and the shops and like nothing. And I remember we talked about this with Chase on episode yes. three of our um, podcast. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you probably should because you probably should. it's a really good fucking episode. And like we were just talking about the differences and since coming back here, it is so true how much nicer <laughs> people on the West Coast are when it comes to these shops. When it yeah. comes to the shops and when more it welcoming. comes very welcoming, very like more chill. And but at the same time, like people are just doing it just because it's such a trend. Yeah, that's because it's Malibu problem. and like people are like, let me have the crystals and let me let me sage and like let me when like you don't know what you're talking about, but you yeah. want to do it because we're chill as fuck here and like California, yeah. you all you want to do is eat kale. And the problem uh, is white people shouldn't be using sage. Right, Let's exactly. Put that out there. Exactly, exactly. It white sage. Sorry. It, yes, exactly. And, but on the East Coast, I remember like we would go into these shops all the time and mm-hmm. you would just get this presence of like, we don't want you in here. Yeah. And I think it's a mix of like kind of um, gatekeeping yeah. personalities and also like that just being irritated by the trendiness of it. And right. when people would walk in and they're just, they come in and they're like, I want to like sage. Where do you have your sage? And it's like, you're white. Stop. You know, just like <laughs> as as kind of like that, using that as an example of like the vogueness of witchcraft. Absolutely. I to- So I kind of get where the people on the East Coast are coming from, where they've like been proud. They, they're like these hereditary witches or they're these longstanding witches and they have like these long traditions they're you know initiated in these like long traditions sure but like that but doesn't you also mean yes that, you have to be welcoming at the same time that doesn't mean you time. can't be a bitch <laughs> but it's so true though it's true it's so like totally understand like your craft is your craft mm-hmm. and that's awesome but like you don't you can't judge a person no you don't even know them you don't know them yeah like they walk into a shop and just because they're not wearing like crystal bracelets just because they're not like representing yeah. who they are on the inside yeah that doesn't mean shit. Energy reading is one thing. Absolutely. We can absolutely understand when you're around a person that has bad energy and you just, you be knowing. Right. But that doesn't mean you should act that way towards everybody. Absolutely. And yeah. maybe that's why, well, one, quarantine, but also I've really been able to like really find who I am as a witch on the West Coast because there's so much more just like warm heartedness yeah. of like, hey, embrace yourself. Yeah. And any shop that I've gone into, Everybody has been so fucking nice, which is the next shop that yeah. we want to talk about because we literally went into it this morning. Yeah. And Greenwood Shop Apothecary is like one of the most amazing plant shops. It is a five minute walk for me, which is very mm-hmm. fucking dangerous. And like you walk in <laughs> and like it's just beautiful green. Like from organic apothecary to handmade housewares, Greenwood Shop is rooted in the beauty of nature. Mm-hmm. Greenwood brings thoughtful selection and a careful creation to an ever-changing roster of local artists and makers alongside a stunning collection of interior botanicals like i mean sean you walked in there and you were like i just started oh. talking about calatheas right. like instantly right like, and the person the guy that was working there he was so fucking nice so nice and he like and he has offered, a thousand plants yeah he uh, yeah <laughs> offered some great information yeah. and i did notice a lot of local makers so yes. i i liked that you yeah. know i saw a body butter that i instantly had tra- had to like stop myself from like putting my mask into because right. i wanted to smell it so badly right. exactly so yeah 
love that place. And another cool place that I've actually been to um, before I knew Courtney Mm. is a place called Book Soup. Book Soup is a full-service bookstore located on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood, California. Founded in 1975 as, quote, the bookseller to the great and infamous. Mm. The store boasts an expertly curated selection of books, fiction, nonfiction, music, film, memoir, biography, art, and design, etc., as well as signed and autographed collections, vinyl records, and unique gifts. Home to 60,000-plus titles. (sighs) And host to more than 300 author events and signings each year. They also have a really nice and diverse occult section. And they have an online shop, so you can still support that. We love that. Okay, another shop that we actually have talked about before. Serenity Rocks, located right off of PCH in Malibu. Serenity Rocks is the number one spot to find luxury healing crystals literally walking to this store and I remember talking about this on a past episode I mm-hmm. walked in and I literally felt fucking high because <laughs> the energy Pupils in that six store inches wide. it was I was literally like oh my god this is the most amazing energy I've ever felt in a shop in my life they know what they're doing yeah like they know what they're doing that's basically it you the just cleansings gotta, are real yeah and they have a store online shop you can buy stuff there, but Sean, like, we're going tomorrow, yes. obviously, and you're going to fucking flip out. I'm just going to, like, uh, just going to lay on the floor and soak it up. Ba- basically. And there's an <laughs> outdoor area, so if you want to oh, lay on the grass. Shit. Yeah. Full of crystals, like, let's fucking go. <laughs> Another spot that I have found is Tansy. Tansy is a plant nursery located in Burbank, California, and it's basically a mystical jungle. Tansy celebrates unique home decor and a vibrant green home. Honestly, one of the most beautiful plant shops I have ever been to in my life. It Mm is just warm and inviting and all the plants, they literally just talk to you as soon as you walk in. They're like, hi, love me. We love a talking plant. Oh, yeah. Great fucking shop. Switching gears a little bit to some spooky Death Valley Ghost Town. Spoopy. Since the 1848 discovery of gold in California, Death Valley has experienced over 140 years of boom and bust mining, creating a number of ghost towns in the area. Little did these many miners passing through the area in 1849 know that there were vast deposits of gold, silver, copper, and borax just waiting to be taken out of the mountains and valley floor. From the 1880s to early 1900s, mining was limited and sporadic in the Death Valley region, mostly because of many of the early mining districts met with a notable lack of success. Primitive and inefficient technology, scarcity of water and fuel, and the difficulties of transportation made it economically impossible to mine any of the highest grade ores. Some of the towns that died even before the turn of the century included Cassion, Road Spring, Old Tecopa, Old Stovepipe Wells, and Panamint City, as well as dozens of mines. Cool. You just went to a ghost town recently. In Arizona, yeah. Yeah, do you want to talk about that a little bit? It was just dope. Yeah. It was honestly really fucking cool. We found it. It was like all the way out, like middle of bumfuck nowhere. (laughs) And it was just like, wow. What was the energy like there? It was really cool. It was very like... 
you just felt this like this history mm-hmm. you felt the history there there was an amazing apothecary that obviously we went into there was an amazing crystal shop we oh, went yeah. into like it just felt like there was so much has happened there yeah and i really do feel like a good amount of witchcraft was in that area because yeah. arizona is actually like the energy there is so high mm-hmm. it's very spiritual yeah so. kind of like here a little bit yeah absolutely yeah. not yeah with better people. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of not better no! people. <laughs> oh my God. So um, we all know this place. Hopefully. Hope, maybe not. I don't know. Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary. Woo. The most famous maximum security men's prison on Alcatraz Island in the San Francisco Bay was in operation from 1934 to 1963. Its reputation comes from housing the worst of the worst inmates, including Al Capone, Whitney Bulger, and George Machine Gun Kelly. The lore to this spooky prison comes from it supposedly being a gathering place for evil spirits. There have been many ghost stories, and some of the most famous ones are in cell 14D. It is said a prisoner once spent the night screaming about a hostile creature with glowing eyes only to be found dead the next day. Another story is that you can still hear the twang of Capone's banjo. And finally, you can still hear noises from Block C, where in 1946, three inmates and two officers were killed in a violent escape attempt known as the Battle of Alcatraz. Alcatraz Island is now maintained by the National Park Service, while the prison serves as a museum and visitors can get there on a ferry for a bunch of exhibits and activities. I have wanted to go to Alcatraz so bad. Me too. And you know what? When I tried to go, mm-hmm. the actual prison was closed and we could only sail around it. Damn. So I'm thinking. We got to go to San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, Next trip. Yeah. Yep. And isn't it kind of funny that Al Capone made his mark there and he also made his park he also made his mark in Philadelphia yeah. at the Eastern State Penitentiary yep. which is a hang of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool Al Capone. Yes, cool yeah. Al Capone. Cool. Another super cool place that I've been dying to go to and have watched like a million things on including the Ghost Adventures oh my God. Uh, episode on mm-hmm. the Winchester Mystery House. The Winchester Mystery House is an architectural wonder and historic landmark in San Jose, California. It was once the personal residence of Sarah Lockwood Pardry Winchester, the widow of William Wart Winchester, an heiress to a large portion of the Winchester repeating arms fortune. Tragedy befell Sarah. Her infant daughter died of a childhood illness, and a few years later, her husband was taken from her by tuberculosis. Shortly after her husband's death, Sarah left their home in New Haven, Connecticut, and moved out west to San Jose, California. There, she bought an eight-room farmhouse and began what could only be described as the world's longest home renovation, stopping only when Sarah passed on September 5, 1922. From 1886 to 1922, construction seamlessly never ceased as the original eight-room farmhouse grew into the world's most unusual and sprawling mansion, featuring 24,000 square feet, 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 160 rooms, 52 skylights, 47 stairways and fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, and six kitchens. I'm sorry, only 13 bathrooms? <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> only 13 so bathrooms? So you have 160 fucking rooms, but you only have 13 bathrooms? You know what? That is a good point. Like, come on! Uh, that is a, That is only a point. That you would have picked up. I know. I literally was thinking like, wait, 160 rooms? How many toilets are there? <laughs> there might not even be three toilets. I mean, 13 toilets. Necessary. 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 Gotta put a squatty potty in each one of them. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
the home was built at a price tag of $5 million in 1923. So that would be $71 million today. Even before Sarah's passing, rumors of a mystery house being built by an eccentric and wealthy woman swirled. Was she instructed to build this home by a psychic? Was she haunted by the ghosts of those felled by the gun that won the West? Did construction truly never stop? What motivated a well-educated social life to cut herself off from the rest of the world and focus almost solely on building the world's most beautiful yet bizarre mansion? The world may never know, but the mansion Sarah built is world-renowned as much for the design curiosities and innovations many ahead of their time as it is for the reported paranormal activity that resides within these walls. Wow. I want to go. But there's got to be more bathrooms. Uh, yeah, I mean, we should mention that. Yeah, we will. Yeah. When we go. <laughs> right. Next, the Whaley House. The Whaley House is a history museum in Old Town, San Diego, that has rumors about it being haunted by the spirits of the Whaley family and a boat thief who was executed on the property. Ooh. The lore of it is... According to legend, the property is haunted by multiple spirits. James, Yankee Jim Robinson, a convicted thief that was hanged in 1852 on the property, and the Whaley's daughter, Violet, who was shot in the heart at only 22 years old. Mm. I know. You can still hear disembodied footsteps of the spirits while you are there. Wow. I know. That is a lot of history. I know. I am so stoked that you're doing this the last one it worked out that way didn't it yeah it did work out that way mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so we've talked about this on previous episodes oh. the fucking cecil hotel that i literally actually saw a couple days ago you went there i didn't go there i did not go there because you would rip my head off yeah but you you looked it was there because we were downtown at the um oddities flea market and we were right. walking the street and i was like huh Okay, well, give me, give me the, give me the feelings. I, I wanted to go really bad. Yeah, you I were wanted called. to go. It called, and I was like, "Now nah, I'm gonna get fucked." No. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> no, not happening. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have been talking about being called to that location mm-hmm. for so long. Uh huh. Wonder why that is. I don't want to know. Neither do I. No, 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 no. So the Cecil Hotel is the creepiest of all hotels in downtown LA that has had many tragedies and a host of death and violence associated with it. It is now called uh, Stay on Main, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Um, The Cecil Hotel was known as an upscale hotel until it fell into disrepair in the wake of the Great Depression. One of its earliest issues was the oddly high number of suicides that occurred on the property, dubbing the hotel the suicide. In 1962... Paulette Otten leapt from the ninth story after fighting with her estranged husband, and she actually landed on top of a passing pedestrian when she jumped and killed them both. Isn't that crazy? That is insane. I know. In 1964, Goldie Osgood, known as Pigeon Goldie, was found dead in her room. It was determined that she was beaten to death, but her murderer was never caught. And here he is. We've mentioned him before. Uh We'll mention him again. Serial killer Richard Ramirez, who was known to frequent Skid Row, was a resident of the hotel before his capture in 1985. It is believed that Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker and Valley Intruder, committed some of his crimes while staying at the Cecil. 
Ramirez had more than a dozen victims and was sentenced to 19 death sentences, though he died of cancer while incarcerated in 2013. I hope it was a bloody, horrible death. I know, Sam. In 2013, 21-year-old Elisa Lamb went missing shortly after checking into the hotel and then several days later was found in one of the rooftop water tanks. The Ghost Adventures crew recently investigated the hotel in 2020 to delve into the sinister energy permeating the hotel. And let me tell you, spoopy! Very spoopy. And if you haven't seen that documentary, run. If you haven't seen their previous episode on it, run. run. Like just run so, from it. It is so interesting. Run from it, run to, run to like, the documentary, run from the hotel. <laughs> like just don't go to the hotel, honestly, because like I said, like it calls to you. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And that's what that's what Zach Bagan said on the episode. He was like, This is calling to me and there is a darkness here. Fucking, they actually believe that they contacted Richard Ramirez's spirit. I'm not surprised. Yeah, in his room. I'm not surprised. Insane. Hollywood is spooky as fuck. Because a lot of shit goes on in Hollywood that you just don't know about. It is a dark underbelly. I know. It may be sunny. It may be bright. But it has a darkness to it. It's spoopy as fuck. And that's the thing, guys. We've talked about this before. We'll say it again. Um, Witchcraft is a gray area. It's a mix of dark and light. And you cannot have the light without the darkness. You cannot have the darkness without the light. Absolutely. And you cannot have any of that without gray. Absolutely. So while we're talking about like creepy, spooky stuff, this is a huge part of witchcraft. And it's very important to recognize this and reconcile with it. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) I was like, yeah, use the pretty perfect. That's that's it. That is the Google Doc. That is that's it. the episode. We could have done honestly so much more, we could but have. we oh didn't God. because you got to go find your own shit out. Yeah, you got to go to California. You got to come to California. You got to do your research on California. I, I didn't know spookies. half this shit, and I'm yeah. fucking from here. Mm-hmm. So this has been like a super cool episode. Loved it. We lo- and we're together. Ah, yes. Yeah. So if you like this episode. Thank you. <laughs> we appreciate it. And we appreciate you. You know where to find us. Also, give us a rating. Yeah. Give us a rating. Like, comment on Apple Podcasts. We would love that. Yeah. Hopefully, there's no one stars. But there is one that's good to know. Yeah. That maybe we have to fix something. But, you know, like, share, subscribe. You know where to find us mm-hmm. on all of the things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, hopefully... We will be doing more in-person episodes yeah. like in the future. Check out our shop. Check out our shop. We and have ritual oils now. We do. We have smoke cleansing bundles now. We do. We have like witchy merchandise and clothes. We do. Check it out. Yuletide is coming. Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. I love how you said that. Hanukkah. That was great. I love, we all know I love Judaism. I know. (laughs) (laughs) In such a somber voice. I just love it. No. I love it. I want to go to temple. Uh, Nah. It's not that great. It's not that great. Anyway. Anyway. But, which is, so we love you all. Um, We hope that you have great rest of your day. And until next week, we'll see you later. Stay spooky.